Hello everyone and welcome to the very first ever video podcast of the whole 115 yards. Uh, my name is Freya, you've probably heard my voice quite a lot but maybe not seen my face too much. Um, Lindsay will be joining us um, and we will be doing our usual pod but I have a very special guest with me today. So would you like to introduce yourself and tell us kind of who you are, why you're here and why we're going to have a chat today? Okay, so hello everybody. My name is uh, Camilla. I have a YouTube channel and uh, also an Instagram page. Um, <laughs> and I think that uh, Freya asked me to join her today because uh, uh, she wanted me to tell about my last weekend in London when I was visiting the Emirates Stadium just before the Arsenal game versus Liverpool. And uh, because I wanted to see the stadium before the game, otherwise, there would be it would have been too overwhelming. And uh, since I was there, I also went to see Stamford Bridge. So I think this is pretty much uh, cross-culture Italy versus England uh, thing or something. Exactly. Yeah, perfect introduction. And of course, wearing your Arsenal shirts um, to really yeah. fit the occasion as well. Um, I didn't think about doing that, um, but I did bring mine to kind of show along <laughs> with <laughs> Lena Hurtig shirt that I will be forever proud that I own. Um, so yes, yeah, so thank you very much for joining us today. Um, what we've been trying to do is the whole 115 yards is kind of reach out across different countries, different communities, different clubs, because although we are primarily focused on Aston Villa, um, we have favourite players kind of all over the world. So it's brilliant to get your perspective. So again, thank you very much. The big thing we've been talking about is of course the Arsenal game and the opening match at the Emirates so before we get into that I just kind of wanted to ask you when did you first start watching the WSL and what kind of grabbed your attention uh this girl over here oh yeah good choice <laughs> yeah it's pretty much pretty much you you have to blame her for everything um <laughs> Yeah, that, that's pretty much it. Um, I, I was actually always uh, curious about the WSL because um, from what I heard uh, from the outside perspective, I, I always knew it's a very uh, competitive championship and uh, it's unpredictable almost uh, until the end, which is kind of uh, different from, uh, from what we have in Italy, but maybe we can talk about that later. And... Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and uh, I, I I don't know what happened exactly last summer during the World Cup. I started to uh, dive into uh, other countries more because I've actually uh, always very, very much uh, been focused uh, uh, with Italian football and uh, Italian uh, uh, Serie A. Uh, I, of course, I knew about other uh, leagues, other uh, national teams, but I actually never started to dive into them until last summer. Uh, so when I did that, I started to um, to learn more and more and more about the the story of the Leonesses and the, the the Euros, which of course I watched. I watched the Euros last two, two summers ago, but uh, I wasn't so involved emotionally as as I um, started to to become during last summer during during the World Cup for some reason. I don't know, probably this girl on my back. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there was a different feeling, wasn't there, about the World Cup? And it just seemed like for the first time, a lot more attention was on the World Cup and lots more people seemed to be involved. And we were seeing even kind of pubs and places like that were showing it on the big screens, which had never been done before. Um, so yeah, absolutely what 
a brilliant time to really focus in um, on on women's football. And we were seeing as well, it's such a brilliant um, occasion for all these players that you might not get a chance to see normally. So, for example, kind of Leah Williamson, if you didn't, obviously not in the World Cup, but the Euros, um, she said in an interview, you know, I don't go into hiding for a year and only come out to play for England. You know, I'm playing at Arsenal. I'm down the road, you know, come and see me. Um, and I think that's what people didn't realise if they weren't really into women's football. So, yeah, it really showcased players that um, and new talents that you can follow. And that's why we have players that we follow all over the world, isn't it? Um, we will talk about Martina Piamonte. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I knew we would have, yeah. We touched on it briefly about your time at the Emirates. Um, so kind of why was it important for you to come over and experience that, especially on opening weekend? You mean the, the stadium tour or the game or both? Uh, both. Yeah, everything. Both. Yeah. Now, as I mentioned, the, the stadium tour was because I have never been to, to that stadium before and I have never been to an Arsenal women game before. So... Uh, I just didn't want the two experiences to um, to happen at the same time. I just wanted to split them. Otherwise, I think I would have been so overwhelmed with it. Um, and uh, yeah, of course, since I was there, I I did this uh, tour, which uh, you, you can do different kind of stadium tours pretty much in every stadium. And the one I did uh, at the Emirates, it was called Legend Tour, which um, you have an Arsenal legend to actually show you around and tell you okay. stories about the stadium. And I got very gross. So uh, it, it was, yeah, I, I learned because honestly, I am not an Arsenal fan from my birth. I just became one. So, and uh, it, and it's, it's more uh, Arsenal women. It's not Arsenal in general. So I, I have to be honest, I studied who, who it was, but uh, I was very impressed but with, with learning that it was uh, with Arsenal uh, at the end of the 80s and beginning of the 90s. So it was at Anfield during the, the famous game when uh, Arsenal won the, the Premier League. The, I think uh, it was just called uh, League One or something. I don't know. It wasn't called Premier League at the moment at the time. But yeah, um, so it, it was so nice to be around the stadium with a player that uh, was part of the history of, of that club. And uh, why it was so important to me to be at that game is because since I started, as I mentioned, um, diving into into uh, English football, and uh, I uh, fell in love with uh, with Leah Williamson, and uh, I fell in love with the the way that she's in love with Arsenal. So it was just um yeah and, and uh, uh of course it, it happened that uh, many of my favorite players uh have been playing with with arsenal which uh of course uh beth and viv who we can't wait to see back on the beach and uh, this summer one of my favorite players ever who is uh, lesi russo just joined arsenal so it, it was just natural starting to follow wsl which team i was going to be involved with yeah, no, that's perfect. Brilliant. Um, and kind of what was the atmosphere like at the Emirates? Because oh, I saw the videos that you posted and yeah. even through the screen, it looked amazing. Um, so what was it like being there? It, it was unbelievable. Uh, of course, I knew that um, women football was huge in England, even before being there. But uh, one thing is to know and one thing is to be with other 50 
5,000 people around you. I, I think I have been to men games who were not that much crowded. It was incredible. And uh, I know that uh, f- from what I learned, this has happened uh, pretty fast in the last couple of years. Uh, and uh, it wasn't like that before the Euros, I think. But uh, compared to how it is in Italy, where we are really, really struggling to get to 1,000 people per game at times. I mean, the average is, uh, I think, is under 1,000 for, for Serie A. Is something that, um, you know, I've been talking about that with a lot of Italian football fans, and uh, we are kind of um, sick of uh, watching outside Italy to see these kind of things, and we've been wondering how long until we can have something like that. And uh, of course, it's not just about winning the Euros. I think that was just the top of the iceberg, no? Uh, and that it wouldn't have happened if there wasn't uh, something really uh, serious from the FA before that, which is not happening in Italy. So uh, we're kind of uh, looking to, to England as a model so much so much so it's it's unbelievable it's um, but not just being around 50,000 people 55,000 people it's all the small things you know uh, in the stadium you see the the trophies that the the women team had won displayed among the others that have been won by the male team you see the the giant pictures that was so impressive at Stamford Bridge you, you see uh, on the on both sides of, of the streets that leads to the stadium, there are some care, Millie Bright, uh, huge pictures of them. And uh, when you get to the entrance of the stadium, you have one side and the other side, all the, the trophies that Chelsea has won, both, by both male and female teams. So it's just, it's goosebumps to me. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I was going to mention that actually because I saw um, on Instagram when they put up both trophies of the men's and the women's and quite a lot of men actually were, were quite angry about that saying, well, this is the men's stadium. It's, you know, we should only have the men's trophies. And people are saying, well, no, it's it's a club stadium. It's, you know, the men's and the women's. Like we're, if we really are trying to get equality, then it needs to be the club stadium and yeah. you know the club efforts and like you said just seeing the trophy side by side is such a special moment for them to do that um and it shows kind of pride in their players as well doesn't it and what they're achieving and what they're doing and you're also right that can only happen with funding so do we think well do you think that's a big a big thing in italy that kind of maybe funding's not there and kind of the intent behind it what what you think's stopping it from from growing um i think that uh we kind of rushed into uh professionalism which of course was uh, a key factor but um it was uh it was done uh probably too fast and uh it, it 
appears sometimes to have been some sort of a political thing, you know, just to show that you are doing it and that you care about women's sport and uh, and that um, you 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 have consideration of of them. But uh, it was just that. It wasn't uh, a, a program that led to that. Uh, some uh, something that could uh, give uh, sustainability to to the teams, especially the teams, because uh, we um, still have teams in uh, in the Italian Serie A who are not connected to uh, a male club. So mm. that, of course, is um, some sort of a, of a gray area that still hasn't been clarified. And uh, it, it just, it was just, um, I, I could do uh, a very, very, very long list of things that, had to be done and were not done but uh, they can I think that, that the, the thing is yeah there was no uh, there wasn't a program there wasn't a, a, a development uh, mentality around it the the youth um, the youth teams the both nationally and club the youth trophies there there isn't a, um, communication among the national team and the clubs especially uh, well I, I know that's not just uh, up that, that's not just to uh, the the federation that's also um, a European and uh, and FIFA thing but uh, also the the fixtures uh, of uh, of the breaks for the national teams sometimes happened in a very delicate moment for the season for the club uh, so the players have all, all the kind of stuff yeah because there needs to there needs to be a plan in place doesn't there like you said and there needs to be that infrastructure and that can't happen overnight it needs to take time it needs to build and i think that's yeah. luckily what we've seen the past couple of years with the fa um because i remember going to an england game in 2017 which doesn't seem that long ago but I think there was maybe 300 people there and it was at a club ground, like a league one uh, men's ground. Um, and it was against Bosnia and Herzegovina. So again, quite, quite a small nation. And yeah, there's about 300 of us. We had a lovely time um, and it was great. And we were there supporting, but now to be selling out Wembley and stadiums like that is just crazy. And I think even for, even for us, there are things in place that, that still need to happen um like the equal pay that the lionesses are talking about and the bonuses and so it's i think women's football in general still has such a long way to go but when you've got england kind of leading the way almost it's definitely up there as one of the bigger leagues and hopefully um the italian leagues and things like that can just kind of look to right what are the wsl doing what do we need to do what have they done and hopefully from grassroots upwards, they can they can put something in place. So you're getting the best out of your players because at the end of the day, if they can't play their best, then you know, ultimately they need to represent their country, don't they? If we quickly talk about uh, the Italian national team, there's so much more that needs to be developed. Mm, yes, well, um... First of all, I, I th- that's a very uh, delicate topic because uh, I, I I and uh, a lot of us think that uh, we should have uh, changed things after the the Euros because the, the the entire Euro adventure was a disaster. 
and uh, we knew everyone knew that the the coach was about to to finish her contract just uh, after the world cup and uh, that was uh one last year with someone who had lost the the locker room already and uh changes should have been done before and uh, no one from the federation no one from the the coaching staff took responsibility from the failure that happened in the in the euros and uh, it was everything was on the players they went to the to the to the microphone and say yeah uh, we we probably should have done better yeah maybe we didn't approach the game as we should have and, and that should not happen like that they they should be protected they i mean um so uh, of course they 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 didn't feel like belonging it's i know it's controversial because you are still wearing the shirt of your country but mm. there was an atmosphere in, in that team up to the the world cup and including the world cup that was really 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 bad and we saw that when we changed the the coach after the the world cup and uh, i will not talk about the fact that it took one month to announce the the new coach because that that was really that was really shameful but um we we changed the coach and i won't even talk about the coach because that's also another <laughs> an, another mm, issue but as as soon as we changed the coach and he didn't even have had time to to be with the team just the fact that there was someone else there was new fresh air you you could see another team in in the last couple of games of the nations league you could see an entire completely brand new team and the players were pretty much almost the same so i i think it wasn't the players that was the problem <laughs> So let's get back onto um happier and brighter topics. Yeah. Um so <laughs> for us in um the UK it can be really hard to find the Italian games um actually broadcast kind of anywhere and we know broadcast and rights kind of across the board are yeah, same year. <laughs> so I was going to ask you so actually you watching it yourself like Italian football in Italy is it still as awful or to to watch it? Yeah, to actually, find. Um, yeah. It, it recently changed, like starting from the, the last um, the last weekend, uh, it was brought by the zone, but it mm. took forever to do that. And uh, the first um, the first um, fixture day, how, how you call it, the first day, the first uh, yeah, open fixture weekend, yeah, open yeah. fixture. Yeah, it was not broadcasted anywhere because um, yeah, no, they they were not able to find an agreement with any uh, broadcaster during the the summer. So it was just um, the of course I think it's the same in England. You have one game per um, per um, per uh, how you call it? Well, a weekend. Uh, yeah, yeah, game yeah. week. Weekend, well, yeah. yeah, one one game per weekend, uh, which is uh, broadcasted by the national television, so anyone can watch it. You don't have to pay any subscription; uh, it's just there. And uh, of course, the the federation picks it, and it's only one for every weekend. 
and uh, we have only 10 teams in in the in the league so um, aside from that there are four other games that were just broadcasted on the federation website because there was no other broadcaster anywhere and uh, they were not able to 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 sell the um, the right package because they were uh, demanding too much but I, I don't know what happened i don't know uh, how much uh, Dazon have been paying? I don't know if they paid the required price, but uh, at some point something uh, was unlocked, and uh, so now we are able to watch all the games. And uh, I don't know about international rights, though, to be honest. No, because I used to use a website called ATA Football, and they yeah. used to have a lot of the matches on. And then I saw that they were going into partnership with DAZN. Yeah. And it seemed like for a long time, nothing was really coming up and then nothing was on the schedule. And then I looked, because um, I watch a lot of League F as well. Um, some of them are on their YouTube for free. And mm -hmm. then others, I went to watch the Atletico Madrid one this morning, but that was on their paid subscription. And I was like, okay, right. So I need to, you know, find a balance. We've also got the FA player. Um, and is that how you watch a lot of the WSL games? Uh, yes, FA players. And uh, yeah, I, I recently discovered that uh, I think the same games that are not on the on the UK FA player and are broadcasted uh, with, I don't know, Sky UK or, or something are the same ones that uh, are uh, on Dazon Italy. So if they are not on the FA player, I, I could watch them on the Zone Italy. Ah, okay, because because um, again, it says it's meant to be the home of the WSL and the Women's Championship. But for example, today, there's only one match, uh, Sheffield United with uh, London City Lionesses, and that's not being broadcast. It, it's one game. And you think, you know, that, that should be the one of the day. But yeah, you're right. Um, tomorrow, there's some on BBC... BBC One, BBC Two, and then some others are on Sky Sports um, being broadcast. But then it's, again, alienating people that don't pay for Sky. It's hard because you want the game to grow and you want as much money to be coming in as the men's broadcasting, which we're a long way off that yet. Um, yeah. But then you're also alienating new fans to be able to grow the fan base. So it's it's a tough decision, isn't it? Which ones to broadcast, which ones to that we've got to pay for. But... Fingers crossed, um, everyone can sort themselves out <laughs> broadcasting wise, and we can all just watch what we want to watch. That'd be that'd be perfect. Getting a bit political there, weren't we? Getting a bit serious, right? Mm -hmm. We should probably say how we met, actually. Um, so we were kind of not randomly selected, but we both saw a, did you see the tweet that the F Media did wanting collaborate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, so if you haven't heard of the F Media, uh, please go check it out. Um, there's a lot of um, brilliant um, bloggers that write articles for them, uh, us two included. And yeah, so we kind of joined this big group chat. And I think we were the couple of um, noisy ones. <laughs> that kind of and we thought, okay, we, we can have a chat now. Uh, so have a private yeah. chat. And um, yeah, we've been in pretty much constant contact since, haven't we? 
Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. At some point, we were just discussing among uh, each other about stuff, and so we were like, oh, maybe we, we don't have to bombarding with notifications everyone else. So Yeah, <laughs> we'll, thought we'll take this elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, no, but uh, I think what, um, what I find uh, uh, to, to be a common area with you is, um, is both the, the interest towards the, um, what's happening outside our country, uh, yes. and uh, the um, uh, the whole uh, concept around being a supporter, which uh, is not exclusive. So um, I know it, it's the same for you with uh, with Villa. You are a Villa fan, but uh, you also have a lot of uh, players that you like around, and uh, you you don't um, you don't um, have this uh, kind of um, I don't know how to say it in English, in Italian, we say it's, uh, you, you support against one thing, you know, you like banter or something, something like that. Yeah, because it's very much like a like a tribe, like a tribal yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah. I think we'll we'll discuss it in a moment, but kind of the match last night, um, Man United-Arsenal, <sighs> that, that was a really, do you want to say good example, bad example, um, of kind of how some supporters are reacting and taking it a bit too far but yeah I think yeah. like you said we are both very similar in the fact that we we have our club that we lean towards but would never wish anyone ill like we'd yeah. never um we have players that we support that aren't our teams and I think for me as well um there are a couple of players that I would get that team shirt with their name on because I support them as a player um, so that might not be my club, but I want to support them. And I've seen quite a lot of people say the same thing, but I've also seen people say, but you can't do that because that's not football and that's not. And it's like, who oh, yeah, says that? To, to me, that other kind of thing is not football, honestly. This is football. Yeah, it's it's supporting. And again, it's that women's game of Everyone is included here. Everyone is welcome. And we support everyone um, because it's a bit like, and again, we'll get onto it, but when Jordan Nobbs came from Arsenal to Villa, the Arsenal fans wouldn't dream of booing Jordan. Let's talk about, uh, while we're on the topic, um, the match yeah. last night. So for those of you who... Everyone does probably know that's listening to this, but um, Man United hosted Arsenal at Lee Sports Village. And the one thing everyone was talking about was Alessia Russo returning back to her old team. Lots of people talking about how will she be welcomed? How will she be received? And there were two interviews. I don't know if you saw Leah Galton said, um, we'll welcome her back. You know, we'll give her a great reception. Hope everyone else does too. And Ella Toon said... I've told her I'm not going to be her friend for 90 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's of, of course, that's, so, yeah. that's um, <laughs> the least you can expect. But uh, yeah, exactly. Um, so in the lead up to it, because we were both very excited for the match, how how did you feel the supporters were going to act, if if anything? Um, honestly, react. yeah, no, honestly, from what I heard, because um, I have been... Um, you know, uh, noising around in uh, in the supporter groups or something. So I I had rumors about this sort of uh, welcoming, if you want to call it like that, that they were going to give to Lessie. But mm. it was 
some some way they crossed a line that I I expected to be maybe once twice in the beginning and then uh, stop just not for the entire ninety minutes. It was so annoying. It was so idiots. Uh, I don't know. It was way too much and I was so proud of Arsenal supporters that were singing louder than them every single time it was I I, I honestly don't get it I mean um, I don't even get it if the player has done something to deserve that which Lessie didn't but I, I don't even get it in, in that but I, I mean, I can understand. I wouldn't do it, but I could understand. But what what, what did she do aside from switching shirt? Well, that's she, thing. She... We know the that's the name of the game. You some people do stick with their team their whole lives, absolutely fine. But most people will at some point move teams, and that's fine. That's okay. They're yeah. going to push and progress and develop, and they they need that change, and that's fine. And I think. 99% of fans got that. Um, but like we were discussing, there's a couple of people who thought kind of her leaving message wasn't as heartfelt as it could have been and it didn't reflect how the club have supported her. And then there was um, comments about, well, did she just go for the money? Did she just go for Champions League? Which United were already in Champions League anyway, so that didn't make any sense. And it's kind of... Well, anything that happened behind the scenes, we, we don't know. We don't know the facts. So people are speculating. And um, Lindsay said, um, when I was talking to her about it, um, that the media are making it worse because they're um, bringing attention to it and they're making it bigger and making it very dramatic when actually yeah. it, it didn't need mm. to be. So it was built up to this moment and poor Lessie had to kind of come into it and be like, okay, well, I need to play for my team. Uh, I think that one of the main issues is that um, we are, uh, now that, of course, the, um, the, the women game is becoming big, we are sort of um, uh, uh, getting all the, the bad and toxic stuff related to men game. And this is one of it. Uh, and media included and uh, of course you can't prevent that from happening at all because uh, if something becomes big of course you have to take the good and the bad of it and this is the bad but you you just can't stop it but you you can do something to uh to to not consider it normal anymore you know uh, because it, it happens, of course, uh, w- when you are at the game uh, around uh, 50,000 people, it happened that there is someone who is not saying very nice things to the player, but you just point them, you just tell them, dude, not, not, not good. You, you just do something about it. You just, we, we just, the, the only thing we can do is to learn from all the, the bad and toxic side of, of the main game, not to replicate them, but yeah. to, to try to, um, to bring more uh, sensitiveness to, to, to the fans in general. Maybe it can be the other way around. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, because we've said um, a couple of times on previous podcasts, you know, we the women's game has never been that. It's never yeah. had hit. It's never had, you know, vile things. Yeah, you've had the odd person kind of getting a bit, a bit sweary and a bit, you know, but the majority of people are very supportive um, and inclusive. So to have that coming over, and like you said, I was expecting a couple of boos, maybe first couple of touches, but when it was getting right to the end of the match and they were still doing it, I thought, you've made your point. Like, it's it's not going to get any worse, any better. Like, she's gone. It's done. Like, why? Yeah, get why over it. Still yeah, get over it. Yeah, why are we still going on about it? And um, yeah, I thought she did phenomenally well to still press as hard as she did and I would have loved that goal to have gone in don't tell me that was so close <laughs> that was so close to going in um, yeah. and I think that United being disappointed with not winning against Arsenal I think that shows not only how far they've come mm-hmm. but also that Arsenal maybe are still missing their key players yeah, we're going into that, aren't we? <laughs> we are, we are. Now, um, Jonas has signed signed um, a new contract recently, yeah. so he's going to be uh, with the team another couple of years. Um, happy Jonas's sting? Um, I mean, uh, I like him from um, a human side of things. I, I really yeah. like the, um, the kindness that he shows in uh, in the way he speaks and the sensitiveness that uh, you you can feel in his words i i am not sure about uh, if he has a clue of what to do with the team on the pitch but i think it's too early to say because we have a lot of new players and um, um the the thing is that uh, i have been reflecting about it and i think that it's it, there is some weird uh, element uh, in in the in the roster of the players uh, in terms of uh, you know what kind of um, of of, uh, of team you you can uh, you can put down because you have on, we only have one right back at the moment and uh, so you can't play uh, a four line defense. As a, as a standard thing because of course you you don't have a change other unless you switch McCabe on that side mm. but then it's it's weird the, I think the thing is that um, knowing that you have so many key players that are going to come back eventually in the middle of the season it's weird in terms of uh, uh, how you program the season also on a tactical level because uh, you have of course to find uh, a solution now you can't just think when Leah comes back in January or February or whenever but of mm. course you, you have to to have in the back of your mind the fact that you have that player and that she is coming back eventually so if you have something that works now then what when she comes back and the same thing is for Beth, for Viv, for uh, Vian Rotter, for, you know, everyone who is... Everyone else, yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course, it's, uh, it's, uh, I think it's, um, it's a challenge for, for Jonas now to, to be able to, uh, to find uh, a flexible 
system that allows the, us to, to be competitive now, but can also be adjustable to, to the players that are going to come back when they come back without having to start over again. And of course, I think that the most important uh, part of this, of this topic is, uh, is Beth because she is just about to come back. We don't know when exactly, but I think it's a matter of days at, at the moment. She's very close, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah. Back. And she, she's a player that, of course, can change the entire way a team plays. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's... It's an exciting time to look into the future as an Arsenal player because then when you look at the whole squad that you've got, that's incredible. Like, on paper, it's it's in. But yeah. then you look at, okay, well, who have we got now? Who can we use? And it's, like you said, it's getting players to maybe be in rules that they're not really, not necessarily comfortable in, but it's not their primary um, position. And who can they use to the best of their ability? Like when Leah was playing in midfield when Kim Little was out. And it's like, wait, well, you can kind of do the job, Leah, but you know, we prefer you back there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's still very much um for Jonas to decide, okay, well, what who is my starting eleven? Because he said something interesting, didn't he, in his post match, I think it was his post match, when he said, We presented the bench first mm. and then the superstars come on and you think, well, but you're against Man United. Like maybe do that. No offense to the lower teams like Leicester, Bristol, that kind of thing. But Man United, you kind of come out full force. So what did you think of him saying that? As a uh, I, I didn't uh, read that, but uh, I, uh, I don't know. I think when I, when I saw the starting 11, I think that, well, of course it was uh, shocking to see, both McCabe and Ford on the bench, but uh, mm. I, I thought that maybe he uh, was thinking about uh, them uh, possibly having uh, a more powerful impact on the game, uh, not in, from the beginning, but maybe when Manu was more tired and uh, possibly, I don't know, that, that I, I thought that that was the only reason because otherwise... Yeah, because otherwise, why wouldn't you start them? Like, well, yeah. Um, yeah. Of course, it could still be fatigue from World Cup, from yeah, you know, sure. from all of that. It could be emotional fatigue from getting knocked out of Champions League. It could be, you know, it could be a plethora of things. So we did have a little think about who he has available and who would be kind of the perfect starting eleven with who's available. So not injuries we're pretending they don't exist for now um so for their next match um what did your what did your lineup look like and then i'll tell you what i've got um i don't like the the three line in uh, in the defense but uh, at the moment uh, as i was telling you i think it's the only way to go so uh mm. probably uh Ilestad, bt and uh and Kathleen. okay and uh, I would like to see Cooney Cross starting instead of Lito, to be honest. I, I, I would be very curious to see what she does over there. And I would put yeah. uh, Leah Valti and, um, and Monom on, on the sides and uh, then uh, McCabe on one side 
and uh, Ford on the other. And I would I would like uh, to see again uh, Black Stenius and Rosso as uh, in the beginning as it was in the beginning with Menu. Yeah, because um, Stina Blackstenius has had a bit of a, a bit of a rough time, hasn't she? Kind of with again people doubting her, not performing. Yeah. Where does that come into it? Was she part of a swap deal with Alessia that didn't go through before? Would that have knocked her confidence? But I am so happy she got that goal to remind people, you know, I'm I'm here, like I'm part yeah. of this team, and you know, I'm worth it. Um, so yeah, I'm really glad she she got that. Um, how about goalkeepers? Just a quick one. So we've got Zinsberger and D'Angelo. Um, from what I saw, I mm. think I like Manu a little bit better. Mm. But uh, to be honest, I'm not crazy with both of them. I, I but the, aside from that. We, uh, we we say we have to talk about the players that we have. So with the players <laughs> that we have, the, the thing is yeah. that, yeah, the thing is that I don't know what's with Arsenal, both uh, men and women team and this goalkeeper thing. I don't know because, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I can, I mean, um, I like that uh, the, the second goalkeeper has uh, minutes during the season. I like that. I don't like that a second goalkeeper is just there to be on the bench and uh, you always put, the, the same uh, as in the starting eleven, but I think this is too much. I think this just takes confidence away from them. And uh, in a moment when, uh, of course, we are also struggling with our defense, and uh, we have new players, and uh, there is no chemistry among the the defenser. I think that at least the keeper should be a continuity factor. Uh, at least uh, up to a certain point of the season. I think it's not the time now to, to have this switching between the, the keepers. But this is something that um, has always um, been interesting to me, you know, when when they do that. Because I always think about uh, how could they feel, how, uh, what message does it give to them and to the, the, the defender. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, the images of um, Zinsberger last night, she did have an arm around uh, Sabs D'Angelo and she was really supportive. And that was a lovely moment that Zinsberger didn't feel, well, outwardly didn't feel kind of hard done by or replaced. Or, um, and I suppose if you have got a strong pairing like at Chelsea, when you've got Anne Katrinberger and Shira Musevich, they work really well together and they're both top quality goalkeepers. But it just begs the question of, Hannah Hampton is now third choice goalkeeper at Chelsea on the bench when she could have gone out on, but that's different. That's a different story. Um, but yeah, I think Arsenal for where they are, they need a world-class goalie um, to get there. And I really like Zinsberger. I really do. I don't think um, D'Angelo's there yet. Again, she's good. But when you look at Van Domselaar, and yeah. kind of all Mary Earps. Um, it's kind of they need they need to step up again, I think. And again, that just shows the quality of the game. That what was good is now looking. Oh, it's a bit, you know, it's a, yeah. uh, it's a few holes in that. Yeah. <laughs> um, What's your starting eleven? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Um, so I've got now I flip flop between. Do I like Lotta Rubenmoy or not? Because sometimes she's not 
as consistent as she could be, which is really frustrating because when she's good, she's very good. But yeah. then we are all human. We make mistakes. It it happens. So I've put my faith in her. So I've gone Ruben Moy, Jen Beatty, Steph Catley. I've got uh, Maritz and McCabe just push forward on the wings. Um, so technically I've got a one, two, three, four. So I've got a five technically at the back. Mm, okay. um, five. I'm just checking. I've done my maths. Hang on. Um, <laughs> nine, ten, love it. Right, this should be fine. Then I've got um, Liam Hudson, Marnham, Walty, and Little in the middle. I still rate Kim Little. Yeah, I think you, you put your faith in her. Okay. <laughs> put my faith in her. And then I've got um, Ford and Russo up front. Ford and Russo up front. Okay. Yeah. Um, however, I've also got um, Ilstead, Hertig, and Cool as super subs. Mm -hmm. so come on. Um, <laughs> because I actually thought you were going to put her in the starting eleven. So I know uh, I feel quite disappointed in myself that I didn't actually, because <laughs> um, she, I think again she's got so much potential, um, but the way Jonas is playing her, because you said at the the Emirates when she came on she made a difference. Didn't yeah, she? yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think Jeez. maybe at the minute maybe that's her that's her role in that team to come on and make an impact. Would you say? Yeah, at the moment, yeah, at the moment, yeah. I, uh, I, in general, I think that um, she was uh, very, very. Um, uh, she came back as a new player from from the World Cup. I think that the yes, penalty, the penalty against USA was just mind blowing, and uh, that's a boost <laughs> of confidence, of course, for for anyone. So I think she. She, uh, she she can do really well this season, I I think so. But yeah, at the moment I can see her um, being as a as a substitute. Yeah, and I think, like you said, she has come back as a new player, and it was again she was being selected for her national team, and you know, yeah. everything was there, just the actual time on the pitch wasn't, and it was just that consistency. And anyone who knows um us from the beginning i always go on about her being um, having lots of quality and lots of potential and finally people are seeing it and i remember tweeting um during the sweden versus usa game going lena hurting's gonna score and it's gonna be wonderful and then she gets that penalty and I was like, yes, <laughs> it's been true it's all good <laughs> it was wonderful indeed it was uh so i'm taking full credit for that by the way uh not not lena <laughs> not destiny <laughs> i'll do <take> that <laughs> One more thing we were going to talk about. Um, who do we think are going to be in the top spots in the league by Christmas? So these first couple of matches, we've got a couple of Continental Cup games as well going on. Um, so who do we think, first, second, third, by Christmas? Okay, by Christmas, uh, mm. I think because uh, Arsenal has this uh, suffering DNA. I think maybe by Christmas we could be in second, third position of first. Of course, we're also having a tough start, so that that's fair enough. Second or third, not not first. Probably first position, I would say Chelsea. Too predictable, but yeah. I, I mean, what, what else could I say? 
Yeah. And um, the the other position, which is not Arsenal, I would say City, just because uh, I don't hate any team, but I am so angry with Man United after yesterday, so <laughs> I, I don't want them in the top three at all. Oh, I love it. Yeah, good. Um, love that. Um, mine's, yeah, probably the same as you. Um, I don't know if City or United are going to be battling for that third and fourth. Um or even second, actually, because City, Jill Rhodes come back. Phenomenal player. Um, opened a score sheet already. And, yeah, I think City, even though they only did one transfer, one in, one out, compared to Arsenal, who bought the whole world, uh, I think this is going to be City's year to finally come back, I think, because after their exodus of Lucy Bronze, Georgia Stanway, Kira Walsh, after they all yeah. left, they just looked like a shell of themselves. They didn't really couldn't really figure out who they were but I think yeah I think comeback season for City and final thing that we haven't talked about the lovely two Italian players that are in our WSL so I was was expecting that yeah we've we've got to talk about them Um, so from kind of what was your um did you have much of an opinion of them before they joined the WSL are they do they think they've grown into a reputation? I don't know. Kind of what? What's your What's your view? Um, well, I I can speak for for Yaya because of course Martina just joined uh, yeah. just joined Everton and uh, I can tell you the the general uh, uh, perspective about that in Italy, not not my personal. Um, we sort of uh, she she just sort of went outside the radar. When, when she uh, went to, to Everton and uh, when we, because not everyone watches WSL, of course. So um, a lot of people, when uh, we saw her coming back to, to the national team, we just uh, couldn't recognize her. But I think that uh, was also an issue with the national team itself. It wasn't to Yaya. So um, we are very, uh, we were very happy in general, everyone who loves football and everyone who loves Piemonte and the, the, the two things, of course, uh, often are, are aligned. Everyone was happy for this brand new start that she is about to have. And uh, we are happy to know that they are together because they can be uh, strength to each other. Yes. And uh, especially for for Martina to to adapt, having uh, Yaya there, who has been there for a couple of years, uh, can be can be helpful. So uh, we are um, looking to to Everton with with a special eye, of course, from uh, from Italy. And uh, we were so happy to see that they came back to to the national team with the new coach and uh, it was so unfair to leave them out, especially what uh, from what they've done during the season, especially Martina, of course, because uh, I think we could also have uh, could have benefit from having Yaya as well. But Martina was was something big that she, that she missed the World Cup because we just don't have a player a play another player like that yeah no, she she is she's brilliant there's um there's only a couple of players that spring to mind when you talk about how physical a player is um and I love that she just completely bulldozes her way through 
in a match and she's just like doesn't care she's like no i'm getting the ball i'm going in and just she's so strong but so much quality and i saw a stat um, from the weekend that said the amount of shots on target but not goals and martina was at the top she had six so six shots but just didn't quite get it so the the qualities there the skills there we know that um and it's just leading up to to that moment where where she gets herself on the score sheet yeah, and um, also the 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 attitude intended in a, in a good way you know her, her yeah the the strength that she has the 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 the, the fact that she fights over every ball it's just not yeah, so many players up, she? <laughs> yeah yeah you can see that often yeah um so yeah i realized i didn't introduce them i just said our two Italian players. Um, so that's Aurora Galli and Martina Piemonte, for those of you who uh, who aren't too familiar. Um, could be a really obvious question. Why why she get called Yaya? Um, no one actually Or is it just knows, a thing? No. <laughs> yeah, she, she just uh, likes uh, to, to call herself. Everyone calls. I think her family calls her like that as well. Okay, the, that's the, right. So the, the, have I we, missed anything? Because it is, it's, it's Yaya. It's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think no one knows the actual reason around that. We just uh, knew that she preferred to be called like that and her family also calls her like that. And so everyone just calls her Yaya. Oh, perfect. <laughs> we'll keep that. That's um, a nickname. Yeah. yeah, no, I love it. Um, and it's, like you said, them coming back into the national team as well. Because yeah. for the World Cup, um, were they both invited to camp and then didn't get selected? Or was it just Martina? Uh, just Martina. Just Martina, yeah. Because um, I was saying to you, I had my shirt ready. I was like, yeah, Piemonte, right, come <laughs> on. And then her name wasn't on the list, and I was human. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah. Um, but yeah, now she's back on the team. I can finally, I can finally uh, maybe put it on once we decide what number she is. Once, yeah, exactly. More matches. There is this issue around the number that we still haven't figured. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get there eventually. Though. Now, I've come to the end of all of my questions. Is there anything while you're anything else while you're here you want to discuss? Now, actually, I was uh, interested in, uh, in your uh, perspective about the, um, the factors that um, allowed England not just to, to win the Euros, because that's, of course, that's, that's a tournament and uh, anything can happen during a tournament. But, uh, of course, th- there is to be foundation. For, for that to happen and uh, it, it was if it was just random of course I don't think that we would have seen the development in terms of uh, of audience and uh, and supporters and whatever so um I would like to know uh, from your inside perspective uh, what do you think that uh, was done by by England and by the FA before winning the euros that allowed it to be such life-changing what a great question um i think just kind of what we've touched on before they things started to develop and started to change and we started to get um females who'd maybe been in the game before as ex-players ex-managers kind of going up the ranks and being able to put plans into place and to talk about things and to like Karen Carney being a massive influence with her report and 
just kind of looking at, okay, we want the women's game to grow. We need this funding. We need to put this into place. We need to start in schools. And I think, yes, a big push came after the Euros for that. Um, but I think a lot of money um, went into it beforehand um, and it allowed... So the WSL, when that turned pro, I think that was really the start of it because then people thought, okay, there's there's an audience here. There's, you know, there's quality. There's what can we do here to really um, make the most of it? And I think, I mean, people know more than me. So please, if you are watching this, uh, come in the comments. What do you think um, the, the FA did? But yeah, I think a lot of it was a lot more money, a lot more funding um, and people really standing up um, for women's football, um, being advocates for it, um, and just being allowed allowed that chance, I think, um, and people seeing the worth um, that women's football can bring, and I think a lot of it is the team in place. So when they when we had Hope Powell, did all right, she was all right. Um, didn't like some players when we had Hergerice. Um, we know for a fine fact she didn't like Beth Mead and left her out of the Olympic squad. And we all saw how that's gone. Um, yeah. So I genuinely think it's the manager's got a, a big part to play, their, their team, their staff. Um, and being able to, I think the beautiful thing about women's football is how much they connect with the fans as well. Um, and because people feel like they know the players, they want to support them more because it feels like, like they're your friend. Like the amount of times... Yeah. we've said oh I just want to be a friend like oh I just want to be able to say like I'm proud of you in like be, because you do so much and you you know you perform so well so so yeah I think a lot of it was investment um but it it's been coming for a long time and it's been a lot of years um leading up to it so yeah I just think it was home tournament it'd been all prepared for this moment and I think yeah just a lot of planning and infrastructure um and thankfully now we are seeing it going back to schools, grassroots, and it is building up from the bottom. Um, but yeah, it's still going to take a long time um, for everything to be equal. But yeah, hopefully more professional contracts, uh, more money in the game. Because um, like you mentioned earlier as well, there's still a few teams that are either independent or they okay. don't have any backing from the men's club, um, which then when you've got the likes of Chelsea and Arsenal compared to Bristol, Reading, London City, it just the gap is huge. Um, so yeah, so a lot of investment in that. But did you, find, did you find that it was uh, difficult to, um, to go around those uh, mental uh, prejudice around it? Because in, in Italy, one, uh, one main problem is that even if there is someone who is willing to put money or to to put a project behind it uh, mm -hmm. the the general perception by by the people is that women don't belong to to football did, did you find anything like that as well i think especially the last five to ten years ish there's been a shift in that dynamic and um I can't remember her name, it's escaped me, but the head of um, women's football at the FA, um, mm -hmm. Baroness, nope, name's gone. Um, she really um, pioneered for it. And I think because we had so many people who believed in it, 
and we're able to kind of come together and have this mentality of we need more in women's football. Um, but I think a lot of that is still um, at fan level, um, especially from the men's game. So whenever, because there's Sky Sports and they've got kind of Sky Sports WSL, like the Twitter feeds. And mm-hmm. if the normal Sky Sports channel puts anything about the women's game, so many comments of no one cares, no one watches it, all of this. And it's luckily they're not in charge. <laughs> um, so hopefully yeah. they can just, you know, be keyboard warriors over there. But but yeah, I think a lot is changing. And when we've got people like Prince William being big advocates of the game and so openly as well, I think that's really helped um, kind of change perception. So, so yeah, we've definitely encountered a lot of that. Um, yeah. But fingers crossed it is, is getting much better now, yeah. Hopefully. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, hopefully. And then uh, I am pretty sure that we will keep looking at England as a model from now on in general. As we have done, we will keep on doing that. I'm sure about that. I mean, from from what I uh, perceived when I was there, it was just something else. It was just something else. Just uh, one small stupid thing that could, could appear to be stupid, maybe, but uh, to me was not. When I was walking outside the tube and uh, I saw the, the evening, uh, the, the newspaper that they gave for free, it was yeah. the front page was about the, the WSL that was about to, to start again. And it was something mind blowing to me. That was something that we, we can only dream about having. And when I uh, I sent a picture about it to my friends in Italy, everyone was just <laughs> unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable. See, that's, that's a really recent thing as well, um, because I, again, at the World Cup, um, when Lena scored that penalty, that yeah. was on the front page of one of the newspapers. And I was like, that's not even English football. That's not the Lionesses. That's a Swedish team against the USA. Like, so really there's no um, kind of national interest, but it was on the front page. And I thought, right, okay, this is the change. This is a changing point that it, and it's that visibility. So when we talked about the media getting involved earlier, the media can do so much good and make it, obvious and you know allow people into this into this beautiful world but it can also make things a lot worse (laughs) so if it can just keep working for good it like you said it's okay this is the standard now this is what it should be like this should be normal and one more thing i really like how many people now have um the women's players on the back of their shirts like Williamson, and it's become normal whereas i remember when i was little i wanted my name on the back of a shirt because i you know it was a yeah it's my shirt you know i want my name on i want to i want to represent and things like that and but yeah so having the women's players now just as a normal thing is is brilliant and we hope that that can be the norm in italy yeah and it's not something that uh, you have to give for granted because uh, this is also something that uh, um, uh, i've been talking about in the in the youtube video that i have been recorded while i was in london and uh, i am still editing so it's not out there yet but, uh, it, it will it will be and uh, spoiler alert uh, there will be this uh, thing about the, the shirts and uh, the the one of the reason of course she is one of my favorite players and i love her and i love arsenal and everything but one of the reason why was such 
uh, a, a huge emotion to me to, to buy this shirt and to wear it is because it this is the actual shirt that she will wear it. Uh, well, not the actual one, but <laughs> identical to, to the one that she will wear when she will be back on the beach this season. And it has the WSL badge. With all the patches, yeah. Yeah, it, it has the actual font. It has everything that uh, has the the women t-shirt. In Italy, we don't have that. You don't have the, the Serie A patch. You can't have... So sometimes, I don't know if it's the same here, but uh, in, in the same club, uh, the, the shirts may be not completely identical for the men and the women team because maybe there is a different sponsor, maybe... Uh, yeah. yeah, something like that. You can't buy the women team shirt anywhere. It's just impossible. You yeah. have to buy the men's shirt and maybe put the name and the number of the of the player of the women team. But uh, but you, you don't have the badge. The the sponsors are different, and that's something that it's so so annoying. And uh, it, it's it's the small things. I mean, how much could it cost? To uh, a club like Inter Milan to put a sponsor on a yeah. shirt and actually allow me to buy the 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 T-shirt of my favorite player of Inter Milan women team. How much would it cost to them? I think pretty much nothing compared yeah. to. They wouldn't the notice, numbers. would they? No, but it's... it would mean so much to me. It would mean so much to the fans. It would mean yeah. so much in terms of of representation. And this is something that. Maybe it's something that in England is given for granted, but trust me, it's not. It's such yeah, a huge I mean, thing. And how will they ever know what demand is like if they don't give yeah. people the chance to do it? Like yeah. at the World Cup, we saw people wanting Mary Upps' goalkeeper shirt and other goalie shirts, also, and also it wasn't available, was it? Um, but no, with the patches... Um, that I've only been aware of the last couple of seasons. That's, you know, the WSL font, the patches, getting everything done properly. Um, because when I went to Barcelona to get a shirt, um, again, hardly any women's shirts. Um, they'd run out of certain letters <laughs> to so initially I couldn't get bronze on the back. Um, then I thought, okay, I'll have Aitana because the second favorite player. Um, yeah. They didn't have four because she's 14. So I couldn't get that. Um, finally tried four shops four shops I tried in Barcelona um, and so I had to get a men's shirt with the and they won the Champions League you know and they won the Champions League so Jesus. men's shirt men's font and men's patch because they didn't have the women's and that's Barcelona and yeah oh, so okay. there's so a website called Foudies, um amazing website um, female run female owned um, primarily for the women's game and I got a message off them when I posted a picture and they said, where'd you get it? And I was like, Barcelona. And they were like, well, we, you know, next time we do the, we do the font, we do the patches, we do everything. So I think Foudy's from now on is going to be my home for, uh, for football shirts. Not too sure if they do the Italian ones. We'll have to have a look. And if not, we'll have to send them a message and say, right. I don't think, I don't think they do because I've been looking uh, into, into their website, uh, not, ah, not right. very, not very deeply, but uh, I know about it and I yeah. just. Uh, went through it very very quickly. I I think I didn't see any Italian team, but I I would probably email them about it too. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that can be our uh, our agenda from this meeting. We're going to go and we're going <laughs> to make the Italian shirts more accessible. Perfect. Yeah. Right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, it's been absolutely brilliant to finally thank get to you. talk to you because um, I feel like we've been talking for ages, but not not properly. Um, do you want to give a little shout out? Where can people find you? Across yeah, yeah um, uh, this name that you can read here, it's on Instagram and on YouTube. Actually, the, the main part of my project is YouTube, but uh, I, I've been focusing more on Instagram just because uh, YouTube, it's, uh, it's um, uh, a slow process. It's, it's more slow process. So uh, Instagram is more an everyday thing, but uh, the when times goes by, YouTube will be the core of uh, of everything. And uh, the, the the video about my weekend in in the UK will be up in a matter of days. So perfect. Well, we'll definitely look forward to it. Um, can you just pronounce it for me? Because I've been seeing it one way in my head, and it's definitely going to be wrong. So <laughs> don't mind. Is professione calciatrice? Oh, I was so close. I was saying calciatrice. Okay. Okay. Right, okay, close, close. <laughs> right, well, thank you so much. And thank you everyone for watching and listening. And me and Lindsay will be back very, very soon. Thank you very much. Bye. Thank you.